I think it's safe to say that most movies aim to entertain, and we're smack in the middle of summer blockbuster season, so we have bombast and CGI and spectacle aplenty. But The Sound of Freedom, which is in theaters July 4th, has a different goal. And I think it's safe to say that one of its goals is to make us uncomfortable. Mm. And maybe even to make us feel some things that we've never felt before. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, if you haven't heard about the movie The Sound of Freedom, it stars Jim Caviezel, who of course most of us remember most from The Passion of the Christ, even though he's done a bunch of other stuff. This is a movie about the horror of sexual trafficking. Caviezel portrays Tim Ballard, and this is a real-world hero who, he worked for the Department of Homeland Security, and his day job was busting pedophiles, Mm -hmm. essentially. And he gets tired, and like, world-weary, soul-tired of the fact that he's busting the bad guys, but there are these kids who are still being kidnapped Mm. and, and really sucked into... A hellish world. And that's not a word that I use lightly. But this movie brings us into that world and we see how he really went to incredible lengths to rescue two kids that he became aware of. So this is an amazing movie. It's based on a true story. It kind of turns into an action movie. It's set largely in the mountainous jungles of Colombia. And so I had an opportunity to interview Jim Caviezel and Angel Studios co-owner Jordan Harmon to hear the story of how this tale came to the big screen and I think it's a powerful story and it's the kind of story that even though it's not easy to watch it may be one that you want to check out and and maybe even do something about which was their plea you Mm -hmm. know this is more than a movie this is an invitation to to really enter into one of the most horrific things happening in our world today And in our second segment, Paul Acey will join Emily Chow and I to tell us about the latest and presumably last (laughs) Indiana Jones movie. You know, Harrison Ford is almost 81, which is kind of staggering to think about because how old must I be if Harrison Ford (laughs) is 81? So... Paul and Emily and I are going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and we're going to see if that dial spins in the right direction, especially from a parenting point of view. But before we dive into our conversation today, a few housekeeping details. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to leave us a review because that really helps other people know what they can expect when we get together each week to talk about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Well, with no further ado, let's hear from Jim Caviezel and Jordan Harmon. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on The Plugged In Show today. It's great to have a chance to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Well, The Sound of Freedom is one of those movies that comes along every now and then, and it's it's this kind of paradoxical experience in that it is incredibly hard to watch, and yet it's even more important that we do. And this is true in this one because we've got a true story or a movie based on a true story about human trafficking. And Jim, could you unpack the story a bit for us here? And for those who aren't familiar with Tim Ballard, the character who you play in this movie? 
that's a good analysis. Um, Tim Ballard is a former Homeland Security agent. He's just doing his run-of-the-mill job. He's struggling because they're taking these traffickers down, but they're not saving the children. And that was his heart's desires. And then God says, here you go, Tim. Would you save your own kids? And I believe that if we come together, do like Tim Ballard. Now, Tim was offered an opportunity when this little boy says, will you save my sister? And so the parent in Tim goes back, talks to his wife, sells everything, everything. Tim said, okay, I don't know much, but I'll put my faith on the line. I'll go down. And and so he was driven by love. Jim, you know, speaking to that, the one thing that I've noticed, Adam, is that as I watch Sound of Freedom, it deep, it, as hard as it was to watch, every time I've gone home at night hmm. since seeing that film, yeah. when I look at my five children, you know, I already, I loved them already before, right? but I look at them a little differently. Yeah. It impacted me so deeply that I'm like, man, what would, you know, to his point, what would I do? And that's what we're really trying to do here is when we look at, you know, the, the efforts we're taking on, because we're going up against some of the m- biggest studios in the world yep. that have massive films coming out during the summer. And our goal is to get 2 million people into the seats representing the 2 million people that are trafficked every year. Hmm. Well, I watch movies for a living, among other things, and I <laughs> I actually had to turn it off at one point and just kind of sit back and process emotionally. And my kids are 12, 14, and 16. So like you guys, I I couldn't help but think about my family. And when you're involved with the, the business at any level, and obviously I'm in a different place than, than both of you are by a, a large measure, you can get kind of cynical. You can get kind of crusty. You can get just kind of worn out by it all. And I felt like this movie, more than I have seen in a long time, it just cut through all of that. And obviously we want to be people of hope. We want to be people of faith, but sometimes you just get tired. And um, I, I think it it reminded me in a way of Schindler's List. You know, here you have a guy waking up to the difference one person can make. And, and I, that's one of the things that I loved about this story was you have one person under conviction who he does something, he does something remarkable. He takes a huge risk and, and the outcome is so incredibly redemptive. And I would love to get both of your perspectives on, on sort of that angle of the story. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Then Jim, you can kind of take, cause you have more experience in that world than I do. Um, to your point, it's it's like Schindler's List, like The Passion. This is one of those movies where um, it is very difficult to sit through. But when you when you go through that redemptive journey and you also see what he's willing to do, mm. um, it brings hope. Yeah, like this is Angel's mission is to tell stories that amplify light. Yeah, whatever is true, honest, lovely, admirable, excellent. Right, this amplifies that light into the world and into the deepest and darkest corners of the world. But this is the shot that we're sending around the world to say, you know, God's children are no longer for sale. Mm. This can't happen anymore. Mm. This has to stop. Mm. What I love about this um, and what you're saying there is um, part of that shot is, wow, I'm no longer afraid anymore. Mm. Afraid of you. You can't hurt my children. Yeah. And I'm going to explain what this film can do to you. It shows you the warning signs. Mm. And when you see that, it's, you start learning. Now, you go back in the real world and you see someone like Tim Ballard 
Tim is controversial here. And the biggest thing about it is he's not afraid. And it makes people, the, the, the core is those people that are in the middle. Those people get really upset. And truly, when Jesus talks about good versus evil, most, a friend of mine told me this a long time ago, Jim, there's good and then there's evil. Then there's the fence. And most people sit on the fence. Mm. Two of those very bad decisions. See, also the people in the middle are also evil. And those are the people that really are the fog between the good and the evil, and you can't really see. But at some point at judgment, they'll be called out because they refused. They stayed in the middle. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty when Christ separates the sheets and the goats? This film has that in there. Mm. And, and that really truly is the controversy, and that really truly is why people probably don't want to go see it. But when you go, you realize your heart gets on fire. You come out of there and you go, I'm a different man and I'm ready to fight mm. for good. God needs Americans to step off that fence, mm. to set themselves apart from this corrupt generation and be saints that you weren't made to fit in, that you were born to stand out. Wow. I, I'm not even sure what to say to <laughs> yeah. that. You got me. He's one of the most powerful. <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think that this is a film, even as you're speaking now, Jim, I, I feel like you have kind of that that prophetic perspective and i think this is a film that challenges us to to look evil in the face and there's the line from tim ballard in the movie i'm, I'm quoting it from memory i don't have it right in front of me but you know, he talks about how we don't want to talk about this because it's not polite it's not nice it's not easy but there's nothing polite or nice or easy about evil and if we don't call it what it is uh, it will more likely than not triumph. And so uh, it does feel like this is a movie to, that is a call to arms in a metaphorical sense, you know, about this issue of sexual trafficking. And, and to that point, like, in my mind, the call to arms right now um, is it's, it's not a normal behavior for someone to go and see a trailer or something for a movie and then say, I'm going to go buy a ticket two, three, four weeks in advance. Right. That's just not a normal behavior. Usually like, oh, I'll go buy it the day before. I'll go walk in and buy it. Yep. And what we're asking is that for us to continue to spread this throughout the world in a really, really powerful way is we're asking people to stand up today mm. and getting their tickets in advance so that people realize and that the theaters have the courage. Cause again, we're going up against the biggest blockbusters in the world. Summer is the hardest time to go out, but we felt so strongly that independence day was the day that sound of freedom had to get to the world. Mm. And so again, um, this 2 million people, that's our goal, have 2 million people opening week in the seats to represent those 2 million traffic kids, because it's so critical um, that awareness is put on this issue mm. and that this light is shining into those darkest places of the world. Jordan, tell, tell the public about your shirt. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You can't, I don't know if they're going to be able to see the shirt, Adam, but basically it's an exclusive shirt for uh, opening week. And it says it has American flag, uh, uh, you know, a vert uh, vertically standing. And it says God's children are not for sale. Mm. That is exactly what this film stands for. I tell you, as a, a Christian, um, you'll be so proud. Uh, this is one of our uh, films. Well, gentlemen, I think that we are at our allotted time for our conversation today. And I so appreciate it. Thank you. Adam. Thank you, Adam. Joining me for our second segment are Paul A.C. and Emily Chow. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. You know, I thought since we were revisiting Harrison Ford's 
Indiana Jones franchise, it seemed like the right time and maybe the last time, not to get too morbid, <laughs> to ask the question, who is your favorite Harrison Ford character mm. and why? Go. That's Han Solo. What's well, Han Duh. Solo? Duh. <laughs> really? Over Indiana Jones? Enough said. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that... Um, just growing up, I think I was just more attached to the Han Solo character. Um, I mean, he's an interstellar smuggler, which I just thought was pretty cool. And he, he's a little and he's got a, he's di- a gunslinger. He's got a giant dog for a you know. He, a he, he's essentially a pirate, and you know, growing up, I thought pirates were the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Han Solo. Hmm. Paul, who's your choice? Are you? You haven't even made a decision yet. You're like scrolling through the list of no, Harrison you know, Ford movies, well, even as we speak. I was speak. thinking you were going to talk about the uh, the movies, and now I know I need to do a character, and so I had to find the character, what he was actually called. In The Fugitive. The Fugitive. The Fugitive, I think, was one of the high points of his career. He felt very real, felt really down to earth, and extraordinarily capable. He has the ability of being both a heroic character and an everyman, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, you and I pull it off, but not everybody yeah, can do it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, Emily just flat out snorted in derision right there. Because <laughs> who doesn't like a derisive snort every now and then? We hear it all the time. Oh, From me, usually. <laughs> so I am uh, I'm torn. Mm. I'm going to have to go with Indiana Jones. And I know that's like the lame answer. Like, I want to go with Deckard. From Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Blade Runner is a hard movie and a hard, well, now two movies since Mm -hmm. there was a sequel a couple years ago. So, you know, what's not to love about a fedora, a whip, a leather coat, and a big dose of world-weary cynicism combined with archaeological idealism? Exactly. Right? It feels like a winning combination to me. It really does. Man, I so much wanted to be, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an archaeologist because yeah. I thought that's the way it was. So um, I actually had a little whip. I would try to whip it around branches. Do you think it worked? No. <laughs> Did not work. I think you had a proper whip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's I little... could have had a, a defective whip, but still he learned to do things with whips <laughs> that even though I practiced muchly, as a child, it did not work out for me. But yeah. I digress, and that is, uh, I think, a proper lead-in to... The only whip I ever had was a bathrobe tie. Oh, I can totally see that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I would run around Did you around whip your house. sister with it? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Did I she would chase you? her around. No, no, and we Was your mom like, Paul, stop being stop Indiana Jones? Stop being Indiana Jones. Can you just be Batman again for a while? <laughs> like, use it as your utility belt? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. Anyway, go ahead. Segway. I ruined your Segway. Well, no, it's all right. It's all right. I won't hold it against you. Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You know, I have to like temper my expectations because it feels like Harrison Ford, as I said, is almost 81. I want to do two things. I want to just talk about the movie in general and for such an iconic franchise. And an iconic character. An iconic character. And then, you know, what are the plugged in things that families and parents need to be aware of going into this one? So, Paul. Take it away. So I would say that it does work. 
Emily just reviewed Raiders of the Lost Ark for us. Hmm. And definitely... Because it was briefly re-released in theaters. <laughs> because it was briefly re-released in theaters. And the line that always comes to mind from that movie is, it's not the years, it's the it's mileage, the right? Mileage. <laughs> well, guess what? It's the years, too. And the mileage. <laughs> <laughs> The car is it's old and now. it's been driven a long, <laughs> yeah. long ways. Yeah, and and what what I really liked about this movie, honestly, is that Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in this movie. Indiana Jones is not eighty, but he is getting up there. He's probably in his late sixties, uh, which puts him in a in a line where he feels his age and he looks his age. And from what I understand, uh, Harrison Ford pushed to show his age in this movie. He he has a shirtless scene in the movie, just so you can see that he's older. Uh, he he wanted to... In case you were wondering. <laughs> he had these, these, these spotters during a big horse chase scene so that he wouldn't fall off, but he said, you know what? I, I need to get down from this horse and look old, so just get away from me. So there, there were these elements where he really wanted to show that Indy has some mileage on him, and he has some years and the movie did not shy away from that that gives the dial of destiny i think probably its most powerful moments in that it's a poignant reminder that time catches up with us all right even indiana jones right when, so, when grandpa's still making action movies, but he's moving a little bit more slowly than he used to. <laughs> and he moves more slowly, yet he still is credible within this action hero role. Now, he has some... Now, there's some, a little CGI magic here, too, right? Well, there is some CGI magic at the very beginning. We actually have this scene where he is in the midst of World War II, fighting traditional Nazis, rescuing artifacts from big trains full of these German soldiers. Uh, and he looks like a young Harrison Ford. Uh, the CGI de-aging works mostly. <laughs> right. But, but there is sort of this frozenness to his face that doesn't work quite as well. I mean, I sometimes experience that myself even without CGI. But uh, so, <laughs> so it sounds like it works kind of as fan service like it's just fun to see indiana jones yeah. on screen again uh, what about the story itself so the story itself you have sort of this a lot of the the action is actually uh done by indy's sidekick in the movie which is this woman named helena she's uh she is indiana jones's goddaughter she has her own sidekick named Teddy, who is this uh, this thief. He keeps pickpocketing people throughout the movie. And I'm guessing that's like, you know, comedic relief-ish. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Uh, so essentially the whole movie is them going after this Greek artifact uh, that supposedly has, it was invented by Archimedes, uh, that some people think has the ability to manipulate time. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. So that is the thing that they are going after in this movie. Uh, it, so it has all the elements that we expect from Indiana Jones's movies, right? Uh, they're going all over the, the map. You have the little red line of the plane going everywhere. Yeah, um, I love that part. Go to, <laughs> to all these exotic locales. And the music. And the music is still there. John it's Williams. Still, yeah, John Williams like, is still... all the old nostalgia. 
all the old nostalgia is still there. Um, because we have revisited that nostalgia so often, it doesn't work probably as well as it once did. Um, I personally think Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark has a lot of problems to it, plugged in problems, as, oh, yeah. as you know, Emily. But I also think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. This movie does not quite get to that level. But it of is, all the Raiders movies ever made, this is one of them. That's exactly right. It is better than uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Which wouldn't isn't necessarily saying much. I would much. say that's not hard to do. <laughs> but, but it does have some weaknesses. It definitely has some weaknesses. So in terms of family-friendly issues... Are we? Is it pretty much what you would expect? I mean, I would guess there's some violence. I would guess there's some profanity. Yes. Is it? Yes. You know, all, all of the piece above. with the previous iterations in the franchise. You know, technically, I think that the, the the some of the content issues have been throttled back just a bit. Right. You don't okay. see any melting faces. You don't see <laughs> anyone getting chopped up by a propeller. Okay. Uh, so no nightmares for little kids. No. <laughs> well, Nobody's heart is being not. ripped out in sacrifice. That is correct. But you still have a huge body count. There are lots of people who dead die. Nazis. Lots of dead Nazis. Lots of dead people everywhere. You know, <laughs> you have some characters that you think are going to survive to the credits who do not. Uh, so you you have not only are bullets in, in action here, but you have some arrows, you have some harpoons, you have Ooh, harpoons. Harpoons. You had me at harpoons. Somewhere. Harpoons and Archimedes. So, but you don't have a lot of the, the gory, gory violence that we've had okay. to deal with in some previous iterations. Uh, the profanity is less than you would typically find in most superhero movies. Oh, well, that's refreshing. There's a little bit of slightly revealing outfits, but really the big issue is is just the violence. Yeah. Um, because some of the other previous iterations of the Indiana Jones movies have been spiritual, that also probably warrants a mention here. Um, you're not going to find a lot of spirituality. Uh, Indiana Jones actually does say at one point in time, it's probably not so much what you believe is how strongly you believe it. Mm. So that runs a little bit counter. kind of a, a postmodern message, yeah. actually. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you can sort of revisit your your favorite Harrison Ford slash Indiana Jones moments, but it may not be everybody's immediate favorite Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you enjoy the continuation of storylines because you enjoy the franchise as a whole... It sounds like it, it hits on that, but if you're, you know, if you're a purist or anything like that, you might sit there and just be like, well, that was a waste of money. It's a tricky thing. You know, being an Indiana Jones fan from way back, I, I really was struck by the moments of poignancy that you have here. You know, the whole movie deals with time and you see time catching up to to one of the, the most iconic American heroes. Um, And for me, that had sort of this bittersweet satisfaction to go along with a reasonably okay action movie. Okay. So reasonably okay. I'm going to just stick the landing there because that that feels about like... That feels ungenerous. You know, I I enjoyed it. Okay. Slightly better than reasonably okay. Slightly better than reasonably okay. I think that's good. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call Pop Culture Connection, where we are joined by our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. And she asks us great questions about pop culture, and we have to give as many answers as possible in 30 short 
seconds. I need the dial of destiny right now to <laughs> give Go myself back. more time to think about my answer so mm. that I can win. Yeah. Mm. But unfortunately, it's not real. <laughs> Spoiler warning. Ashley, take Spoiler it away. Spoiler warning. Sure, Shock. absolutely. All right, Emily, you're going to be up first. Cool. All right, your question is, what celebrity would you like to interview and why? Ooh. Oh, do I have to interview? Man. This is not... <laughs> there's too many. There's too many one. that I want to interview and there's too many. Oh, let your me... favorite. I know. I'm just thinking... Uh, who's the most controversial right now? <laughs> oh, can Ezra I just, Miller. Can I just forfeit oh, right now? Ezra Miller would be on the list. Oh, I don't. I really don't. My brain is just not having... You know what? We're going to do Harrison Ford. I want to interview Thank Harrison you. Ford because... <laughs> yeah, That was my favorite segment on the show ever. <laughs> that was terrible. I don't know what happened. As soon as she asked the question, like, I was ready. I was like, okay, cool. And then as soon as she asked the question, my mind went, just goes who are actors? And I, right. could not remember, <laughs> I couldn't even remember people's names. I'll say who are actors I for Harrison 500. Ford, because that's the first one that popped in my head. I think Harrison Ford's a great answer. Harrison, Harrison Ford would be great. a it's really my fun card. Harrison Ford, because... <laughs> That's right. like, because you know, that works. We give you all the answers. So all the answers. I'm going to give her two points. Oh, two. Because. <laughs> right. That feels oh, very generous. Goodness. That's way too generous. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. All right, Paul, don't get too critical. Paul. <laughs> all right, if, I'm ready. If you could be any fictional character, who would you be and why? Is this just too easy? No, that's a hard question. I, I'm going Batman. Batman. Oh, yeah. you got to do Batman because, be number yourself. one, he's rich. Number two, he has a great car. He has a great plane. He has a great motorcycle. In some iterations, he even has a great submarine. He lives in a huge house. He has a butler. Granted, he has to work nights, which isn't too great, but it does seem like he has a pretty good life overall. He runs a company. He lives in a cool city that he doesn't even have to use the subway for. Wow. How many? I got 11. Ooh! Okay, Man, that, that rivals that Jonathan Spider-Man using his webs that to rake the Olympic. leaves. There you go. Paul. There you wow. go. We should have like... Gold like... medal. Yay. Gold medal. <laughs> and we know Emily probably has bronze locked up, so I'll just clock in at silver here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, <laughs> Sorry, man. was that mean? Thanks, yeah, a little bit. You know, I, hope, I hope that you can't even, that you can only come up with one, or that your answers are so right. terrible that now, Ashley just know, rates you zero. I know, well, now <laughs> so the people pleaser in me is aiming low. All right, Ashley, All you got right. for me. What's your favorite color that's not in a Crayola color box? Mm, burnt sienna. Oh, wait, no, that's, that's in, in the color box. Go. You lose. If aliens came to Earth and you had to pick one TV show to have them watch to learn about humans, what would you pick and why? Well, I'd pick Knight Rider, obviously. <laughs> because it's got David Hasselhoff in it. He's got a black car. Americans love cars, and black cars are even better. The car has a little red light that goes. Um... I mean, he just, he epitomizes the 80, which is the most important decade, <laughs> the 80s, which is the goodness. most important decade in human history. Um, also, the car talks. His name is Kit, mm -hmm. which is Knight Industries Technology something or other. I don't know what the last T is. Um, I'm sure that, that David Hasselhoff's character, yeah. Yeah. Wow. What would you show to exemplify humankind, a show about a talking car? I mean, I think it would really reveal. I mean, my other choice was Airwolf. <laughs> because Jan Michael Vincent, mic drop. Wow. Oh, my goodness. See, you're basing it on the actor, though, and I feel like 
And I'm not basing it on anything. It was the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> it just makes me think of the movie Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Oh, those Galaxy poor Quest. people. Oh, we could do a whole podcast on That's a great movie. On uh, satire. Yeah. Yes. Right? Maybe yes. we should. We fun. should. I guess we'll think about it. Awesome. We've got so many podcasts we can I know. Seven there points, are. Adam. So, Paul, good job. You know, I so, feel really good about that. And if Paul wasn't having like a, like a career day at this game, <laughs> Paul just got say, batted like 900. All I can say is that Adam loses. And Batman always wins. And Batman <laughs> always, be always yourself, wins. Unless you can be Batman. And then be Batman. <laughs> and then be yep. Batman. All right. Well, thanks again for taking some time to join us today. What did you think of our conversation with Jim Caviezel and Jordan Harmon? Are you planning on seeing Indiana Jones in the Bag of Bones or Oh my goodness. Dial of Destiny? I know, I know. And Harrison Ford could probably still take me in a straight (laughs) fight, even if he is almost 81. What did you think? Uh, Let us know. And you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. You can also just go to thepluggedinshow.com and there is a little tab there where you can leave us a voicemail. And this week we heard from a listener named Tim who shared some thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Even though he describes himself as, quote, a Marvel fan who likes the characters, he felt like there was just too much crass content thrown in his face. Thanks so much, Tim, for reaching out to us and telling us what you thought of the film. And I'd also like to remind you that every Monday at three o'clock, we're doing, a, I guess it's not totally new anymore because we've been doing it for not a new. couple months now. We're doing something that we call the Plugged In Show Aftercast. And each week we will recap comments and ideas related to the last show, give you a preview of the one coming up and talk about the box office. And Paul, you and I have done most of these. Each week it will be two people from the Plugged In team. I think it's safe to say uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're having a little too much fun. Maybe even a little too much fun. Yeah, it seems like we're right on the verge of getting fired with some of those. But but it is... So if you want to see what that looks like, (laughs) 3 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday afternoons on Instagram Live and Plugged In Team. Well, I'd also like to remind you that Plugged In is part of the ministry of Focus on the Family. We are here to help you navigate the world of media and entertainment for your family. But we couldn't do that without your financial support. And when you donate to Focus on the Family today, a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen. And you'll find information on how to do that in the episode notes for today's show. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at The Plugged In Show. We know that you have lots of ways that you could spend your time. So thanks for joining us. And we look forward to having another terrific conversation next week on The Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the back seat. It's tough to be a step ahead. and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.